catching you up on the latest stories that you should know from around the Sunshine State heading into this Tuesday morning, April 11th. I'm Sarah Sowers, and this is The Point from WUFT News. Last week, the University of Florida joined a handful of other state institutions to ban the use of apps like TikTok and WeChat on campus devices and Wi-Fi networks. In addition to changing students' scrolling habits, the banning of these apps might specifically impact international students who use them to communicate with family abroad. To better understand just how widespread banning of social sharing apps developed in China and Russia may impact the UF community, I spoke with Andrew Selipak, the coordinator of the graduate program in social media within the College of Journalism and Communications. It's dependent on who we're talking about. I mean, if you are the average University of Florida student, for the most part, most of the apps that are no longer allowed to be accessed through the UF Wi-Fi the most significant one is TikTok. You know, if you are a student who maybe you have friends and family back in China, maybe you are from China, then some of the other platforms that are no longer accessible through UF Wi-Fi, it's more significant. But for the average UF student, the most significant one is going to be TikTok. And so I guess students will still be able to access this if they're not on the UF servers. Why? But mm-hmm. why do you think the university has taken this measure? Well, there's an, a, a number of reasons. One is that, you know, this is something that a, a ban on TikTok is something that is being discussed in Congress. Uh, it's something that has already been done by federal agencies, by the RNC, the DNC, the military branches, uh, it's being done in by different states. Essentially, what we're seeing is that the states, different federal agencies are essentially doing the job that, in some respects, the executive branch and the legislative branch are not doing uh, by banning TikTok here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And why has TikTok and apps similar to it Why have they been deemed unsafe? Well, the the biggest thing is that part of what's going on is that we're having this conversation about TikTok and and University of Florida is also taking stances against other social media platforms that are from China and from Russia from a privacy perspective, that there's concern that these companies, because they are from China or Russia, that especially more prominently in China, that companies that operate in China are basically under the rule of the the Chinese Communist Party. You can't have really an independent company in China in the way that you would have here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Do you think people will seek alternatives to that app? I guess that's more of kind of a behavioral question when it comes to how people use apps like TikTok. Well, specifically when we're talking about TikTok, you know, TikTok is in some ways a unique app because it is a short form video app, but it's not unique in overall design. India has actually banned TikTok. They did a couple of years ago and there have been uh, Indian apps that have risen up since then uh, to take the place of TikTok for users there. And India being a country with over a billion people, there's obviously a lot of people there who are looking for an app similar to it. So essentially, yes, a particular app is 
uh, now going to become slightly more difficult for people to access. Again, you can still access it through your cellular data. You can go home and access it through your home Wi-Fi. What's really just being limited is accessing it through UF's Wi-Fi. And from that perspective, it's it's not changing dramatically. It's not like students suddenly cannot access it, can, can't create content on it, uh, can't post content on it, uh, can't consume content from it, DM and everything else. It's just that they won't be able to use UF's Wi-Fi. That attempt is, is to discourage students from using it. And I believe is an attempt by the university to encourage students to develop an understanding as to why there is a problem with the app. There are valid concerns when it comes to privacy issues, when it comes to TikTok. Those valid concerns are actually a smaller part of the overall story because those concerns also are the same when it comes to Google with YouTube, when it comes to Meta with Facebook and Instagram or WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger, when it comes to Snapchat, when it comes to basically any app, uh, whether it's Tinder to Uber to DoorDash. Uh, and that's the fact that when we're using these apps and agree to the terms of service for these apps, we're giving away our data, we're giving away our information, we're granting these apps access to things beyond just what we do on the apps and um, the content that we consume or post. But a lot of those apps also request per per permission to your address book that's on your phone. And in your address book, it's not about the content you're posting. It's not about the content you're consuming. They're looking at who's in there. What information do you have in there? They're looking at the information, including who you list as mom or dad, brother, sister, grandma, grandpa, what their name is, what their phone number is, if you have their email address in there, if you have uh, their birth date in there, where they work, any additional information that you have in there. I guess also kind of along the same line of thinking, are there any other social media apps that Americans are mindful of, as in worried about potential concerns or want to understand a little bit more before they use them or approve them for use? Again, it depends on what part we're talking about. If we're talking about data privacy, if we're talking about the content and the algorithm in those platforms. TikTok is a smaller part of a much larger conversation that we need to have about data privacy, media literacy, social media literacy, understanding how these uh, platforms, but again, the apps on your phone, whether it is Uber or Tinder or DoorDash or Google Maps, uh, how they are taking our data, using our data, selling our data, but also requesting additional access, whether that is to your location, to your address book, requesting access to your text messages, requesting access to your microphone, requesting access to your camera. That privacy argument, that privacy discussion is one part. The algorithm and the algorithm manipulation is another part. TikTok is really the only social media platform widely used here in the United States that's that's from a country outside the United States. We're, we're not using social media apps that are coming out of Europe, that are coming out of South America, that are coming out of Australia, that are coming out of Africa. We are using so the social media apps that are from right here. And therefore, we're not as concerned about how they could be being manipulated. Now, the flip side to that is we've seen from the Twitter files 
and the content that's come out of the Twitter files from the different journalists, how the algorithms on American social media platforms are also manipulating us. They're also giving us propaganda, whether it's from the government, whether it's from the executive branch, whether it's from the different bureaucracies under the executive branch, or whether it's actually from the platforms itself and the, the bias of the individuals working at the platforms. So all of this comes from a point of TikTok is a very easy thing to be able to discuss and, and be able to have stories about and, and kind of scare people. People are looking at this restriction on TikTok and rather than maybe taking a deep enough dive as to why, which would then reveal to them, you know, things such as, well, this is how my data, my privacy is being invaded, not just by TikTok, but by these apps and social media platforms and the internet as a whole. And that kind of goes to the heart of the issue that social media often has a lot of misinformation in it. And, and who is one creating that misinformation is a problem, but also how the apps themselves can promote that misinformation is another problem. That was Andrew Selipak, an assistant professor and coordinator of UF's graduate program in social media, talking about the widespread impact of banning social media apps on campus. Now for today's top headlines from around the state. Permitless carry is now legal in the state of Florida. WUFT reports the new law, part of a 106-page House Bill 543, will allow people in Florida to carry a concealed weapon without any permit requirement. The bill is set to go into effect on July 1st. The move to bring the age requirement from 21 to 18 is still on the table. The Florida House moved forward with a disaster bill that would provide aid to communities post-hurricane. The News Service of Florida reports the bill would allow people to remain on their property as they rebuild after storms and require quicker approval of building permits. The legislation also seeks to establish temporary housing for disaster relief workers, making permanent funding for local government emergency loans and encouraging local government to have financial plans in place for major disasters. During red tide season, experts are advising people to pay attention to local advisories when fishing for their own food. WGCU reports Florida has highly regulated its commercial seafood to ensure no fish or shellfish have been harvested in areas impacted by red tide or contain the neurotoxin Karenia brevis. The algal blooms typically impact the west coast of the state. Subscribe to The Point newsletter, which drops the latest Florida stories into your inbox every weekday morning at 8 a.m. Visit wuft.org to subscribe and view our most recent issues. I'm Sarah Sowers, and you have been listening to The Point from WUFT News out of the University of Florida's College of Journalism and Communications. Have a great Tuesday.